Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Well, welcome to Chris Whitehall's Name Tags Chat Podcast. We were with Chris Peterson today, who is the president and co-owner of Carbon Bike, wearing the emblem on there. That's good that you sport in the colors. Also the co-founder of of top end wheelchairs, one of the biggest innovators in the sport. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to do it, actually. I appreciate it. Uh, this is this is really cool. The innovation part is something that's been important for you from the beginning, hasn't it? I mean, how did, how did you get involved in the innovation? It sounds like the creativity brought you into the sport. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a long time ago, <laughs> it's 86, right? but I was actually involved in like 83. I, th- I think I went to Hawaii, the nationals in 83, um, long time ago. And then the chairs were so different. So it was kind of, it was all about making the next one better and different. And so it was like, let's try this. And everybody had ideas and uh you know that's we kind of did and it was it, it's that's just kind of started to be like oh, try this try that or you know it was kind of just winging it in a way well that's yeah. the way it was in the beginning wasn't it because i mean it went from 50 pound stainless steel hospital yeah. chairs mm-hmm. to yeah. and, and and those were sort of like people working on their hot rod kind of thing right where you're like mm-hmm. dropping upholstery changing yeah. push yeah, rings. They were, yeah they were doing all that that was a tiny bit before me, but I saw that. And then I was a little bit in the section after where people really decided they weren't going to use the chairs they got from the hospital and modify them. They were going to make some things. And that's kind of what started happening. There was a pile of different chairs people were making, you know, four wheelers back then, but they were not everyday chairs anymore, you know. How long ago was that? Because was that still, because at one point you still had to have like push handles to qualify as a wheelchair. You still had to have a footrest, even if you're a double amputee. Yeah, I think that was, that was, again, I'm not that old, I guess. It was a little (laughs) before my time, but that was probably in the seventies that where that got switched. I, I remember seeing chairs like that, but it was mostly the, all the, when I got involved, the guys that were good, um, they all kind of had, they were starting to do their own thing. And I think the rule, there, there was no push handle rule, I think at that time, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, but yeah, there was, I mean, the chairs were crazy guys with cowboy boots on, feet crossed, duct tape around them. I mean, I have videos, old ones. And it's true though, it's like, you know. It's the way it went. Oh, yeah, people racing in jeans and cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. and- no, it's true. It's like, yeah, actually, I remember even in, was it some race and some woman had high heels on because it hooked into the footrest good. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's cowboy boots, I think, had that too. Maybe that was why they did it. If they had the big heel on the cowboy boots, the, the high heels were probably a little bit lighter. Yeah, the cowboy boots were. Yeah, anyway, but downhill. Yeah. But anyway, Which, yes, yeah. Oh, that that's absolutely hysterical. Now, but when you got into it, it was really more bike kind of technology, starting to take 
that technology from bikes as opposed to wheelchairs, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they started crossing over there. Um, you know, better wheels, better tires. People were going to a welding shop, you know, getting their chairs made differently and all that. So yeah, they, but the the wheels made a big difference um, over the years. You know, they used to be, well, I don't even know what they weighed, but you know, wheelchair wheels with that spider on there with the push rims, I mean, they're huge. And that then you, you know, they switched to, uh, you know, getting custom wheels built like with Philwood hubs, stuff like that. I remember Marty Ball, I worked with Marty in New York before I moved to Florida and uh, he was going to a place and we were selling wheels that were really light, you know, and getting push rims that were not so good yet, <laughs> but still the wheel, they were way light and, uh, you know, skinny tires and all that. It was changing all kinds of things there, yeah. You're, you're an able-bodied guy though. How did you get involved in wheelchair racing? How did, how did, how did it kind of grab your heart? I mean, it seems like, I mean, you have to be passionate about this in order to have been in, in it for so long. Um, you know, I guess it's, uh, you know, people I met, you know, along the way. Um, and it seemed fun. I was in, cause I was in the wheelchair. I was working for a home care place they call them that i don't know what they call them now but you know they beds and everything oxygen i was delivery guy and you know power wheelchairs all that stuff but then we started doing sports and they hired marty and then um i met other people and i that seemed more fun than the other stuff you know so i got involved with the sports end of it and i was kind of into it i was kind of athletic and uh yeah, I just, you know, I met other people, George, I met, you know, and all through that, actually. So then, um, yeah, I just, it seemed cool. I don't know, I kind of liked it. Seemed like a cool way to go, as opposed to the the other side, which which was more medical, hospital. Yeah, well, I, I told people it's like, the, it, I don't know, some people might be offended, but to, to me, it was like the kind of the happy side of disabilities and things like that. And, uh, but that's, it was, and I, I did the other stuff. My grandmother was in a wheelchair, okay, for 20 years or 30. So, so you'd seen a fair amount of that. And then George Murray was the guy you started Top End with, right? And I mean, George yeah. was one of the mm -hmm. first big racers. Yeah, George, uh, yeah, when, when I worked in New York with Marty Ball, um, we uh marty organized some race and george came gary kerr came junior rice came it was a long time ago and uh yeah and then george was there because he was friends with the one woman that was working up there or something i don't know but uh yeah i met george and he saw that I was kind of into it and so he kind of said well, maybe you should come down and work for jerry smith or something and i was like hmm, maybe and then I did like a year, eight months later or something. I mean, and did you have any background in any of that other stuff? You said you were a delivery guy. Did you then start figuring out how to how to weld chairs and create chairs and that kind of stuff? Uh, I learned um, when I was in when I was in New York, still up there. I was kind of on my way to moving to Florida um, to work for uh, handcrafted metals. Was Jerry Smith, and then it's where George was. 
and uh yeah i kind of learned a little bit we were not it was all steel we were brazen and we were it was different um like chromoly it is but it it's kind of not it's not welding it's not arc welding so that's all everything was made and then it was switching but yeah, so I moved down there and then I just had to learn how to do it. Nobody, I went to a school for a couple hours or something to turn the machine on. How do you do it? Yeah. Well, there's the practical side of how you do it. This is, yeah, this well, is you know, set up, right? You know, you got to learn how to get the, get it working right. And then you can, okay, now I need to do this. Like, <laughs> right. Cause one, it's the design part of it. And two, well, that when there's the practical part of it. Yeah, the design part, I don't know. I just kind of like helping people. I, George, we spent hours and hours, um, you know, him going around the track, messing with his position, doing this and that. Um, you know, oh, let's make a chair different. Well, George is an interesting case too, right? Because he's a, he's a really tall guy, long mm -hmm. arms, but mm -hmm. also a high level injury too, right? Yeah, he was quite high for his size. Yeah, for his size, it's like timber. You know, the guys, it's true. You know, shorter guys that are the same level, they, they don't have as much to deal with. You know, exactly. Because he's what, like 6'6 six, six or something like that? Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's real big, real long arms. Um, yeah, and it was quite high. So the balance was, and, you know, probably not the best. Uh, chair skills in the world either from back then right good <laughs> he was he was not yeah he was you know e and j folding chair for a long time <laughs> when we were together so it's e and j folding chair for his everyday chair yes <laughs> yeah that's, and then yeah. he was going on racing yeah yeah anyway so getting around in that e and j folding yep. chair that probably was good like cross training for him you know he had to work so hard just in his everyday life I, I guess. I don't know. He worked out hard though too. He 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 was when he was on it, he he did the whole thing. Yeah. Definitely. I mean he was one of the top guys. Yeah. yeah, oh no, for sure. Yeah, he was good. And then you know, we started a business and that's how it goes. <laughs> you don't race good anymore. <laughs> it's funny how that business side yeah. gets in the way. Yeah. Training, pay the bills, yeah. whatever. So, exactly. So then yeah. you ended up you ended up running top end for a long time and doing yeah we, yeah, of, you know, yeah we split up and then uh yeah we we kind of split up <coughs> and yeah then we uh yeah invicare bought top end in 93 and then but i still ran it for 20 years right from 93 to 2013 right so yeah yeah so yep so yeah, it was a different business. <laughs> it got bigger. That's for sure. But, well, that's, that's one of the challenges, right? With innovation, because I mean, in this, in this sort of market, right? Where you have, you have a relatively small number of people in terms of people in wheelchairs, then a smaller number of people who are racing wheelchairs or racing hand cycles. Yeah. So to go and innovate and then, and then you have a company that is more bottom line, oriented in terms of well you know we want to spend money on something that makes us money not as much on on something that's going to cost us a bit more money how are you able to juggle that that idea of innovation and keep pushing the sport forward because you were 
you were on the forefront of that. Um, I just was kind of, I don't know. I just, I, I just kind of wanted to do it. I was like, just don't mess with us. We're not going to make a ton of money. We're not going to lose a lot of money, you know, you know, have a good time or whatever, I guess. But yeah, work on, you know, but help people and yeah, do that. I don't know. It's not a good answer, but it just, we just kind of kept going and just kept pushing and we were in a good spot, you know, that's all, you know, that's what you have to do, I think. I, I think in this industry, I mean, I'm thankful that you did it because you continued right. to push the sport and, you know, going from four wheeled wheelchairs to, I mean, now it's, it's fairly space age and we'll get into, into your present company as well. Just talking about yeah. what you're able to do with carbon fiber, but, but the industry, you know, the, the people need that. And, and it sounds like a lot yeah. of it was, was sort of trial and error. I remember when like Jan Mattern was on, on top end and he was one of the top, top racers and supposedly he, what his mother worked for like an airline or something like that. And yeah, he had a good deal going. Yeah. Sounded like he was, he was back and he forth. Was so he, good. Was, he was so good, by the way. He was one of the most talented guys I built chairs for actually. He, he was really good. Um, yeah, he had the perfect body type and lean and he, he was fast. You know, he, he was fast. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Really fast. And, yeah. but, but you're saying that as, as he was really good as an athlete, was he also really good in terms of getting the chair fit properly where you guys could go back and forth and he'd say, well, this is what I want to see here. And, and you could, you could help build it or how did that work? How, how did yeah, that work I for you? I built him a bunch of chairs. I don't know, a few chairs. I don't know how many, but it, um, he, honestly, he was an easy build. His body type was just like, it was just like easy. You know, he didn't, have, that's basically it. He was one of those, he's low enough injury and thin and, so even the chairs, once you made one chair, okay, change the other one a little bit or whatever. You know, got long arms. He had no arm issues over the fenders. <laughs> you know, it was like, whatever. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, that didn't, man, that, that's a big deal for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, he didn't have that. But yeah, he, he yeah, innovation though. But were you going to say something about a chair he had? No, no. I, I mean, I I'd kind of seen his chairs from distance, but I never, you know, I don't know anything about his specific chair. No, he was no, he uh, no, he was real good. So, so it's interesting that you talk about that because it's it's there are different parts of the market too, right? Where you have somebody like him, who is a low level injury, who is thin, who has long arms, because most people, I mean, a lot of people out there don't understand that that one having having being thin, having narrow hips helps you to get that power into the ring of of your of your wheels so it helps you to go forward long arms super helpful i mean daniel roman chuck we'll see him yeah, lightweight guys you know long arms chairs narrow super stiff too there <laughs> is the stiffer it is yeah, but, uh, yeah. it gets simple but then there's the other side of that coin where you have the higher level injuries the ones who might not be as as thin might not fit into the chair quite as well. Mm -hmm. 
shorter arms, that kind of thing, where you really had to get creative. Did I mean you built you're building a whole bunch of chairs? Does that make it easier to look at some of these other guys and go, okay, that's going to be a little bit harder, but I think I have an idea of how I can solve your problems. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, you kind of step by step a little bit. Um, you know, you make chairs, and then next one would be better <laughs> because you don't, you know, you don't. Some of them, and the higher the disability, <clears throat> or the, you know, the less function, whatever, um, those are the hardest ones. You know, guys that are more able, they can just hop in anything. So it feels pretty good. Put a little foam under your knees or something. But if you're the, you know, the quads and the real high level paras, they're, they're, it matters much more how they get, you know, how they fit in their chair and that kind of thing. So you have to be kind of creative or say you can't do it or whatever. So there, there's kind of challenging though. And, but people, if, if they know what they're talking about, which is kind of cool, then, uh, um, yeah, then it's nice to make a chair like that. We just made one actually for a high level quad and it's the cutout axle thing and it all shelled in. I mean, he's got a little, his feet sit on a thing like Heinz did kind of, but his knees are higher than Heinz's. It's like he's putting some plate on there or something, but their chairs are pretty cool. Build a few of them like that. Well, I'd imagine that's gotta be kind of, kind of fun in some ways. The the problem solving, but it is a challenge too, because sometimes it is just evolutionary, isn't it? Where you build one yeah. chair and you're like, okay, that's good, but this yeah. one's not so good where you're talking about welded aluminum. And it's like, well, we can't really, we can't really move it now. Not too much. Yeah. You can't move too much. We can move some things, but not too much. It's not worth it. It takes too much time. You build a new chair easier sometimes a frame. Exactly. You build that new chair. Yes, and then, so now you're doing you're doing every, everything out of carbon, right? Both well, no, the, the hand cycles, the racing chairs, no. Uh, you know, the racing chairs are still making aluminum chairs. Um, like we have the steering is all carbon parts because they're, you know, the forks are forks a little bit. And we can and we can do other stuff with the steering handles. But the frame is still aluminum. Um you know, we're, I've been messing with the uh, carbon mainframe for about a year, but with COVID and what was going on, everything got slows down a little bit too. So I'm, we're still on that, but I, we'll see how it goes. But the aluminum chairs are good. You know, it's like, you can make them, you know, it's like, you don't have to wait. And you can, you can customize a lot more with the aluminum chairs than you can with some hybrid thing or whatever. That's, that's the one thing. And it sounds like what you're doing now, really, I mean, what you were doing before was pretty custom, but, but it sounds like everything you're doing now is pretty, is pretty custom. And certainly with racing chairs at all. Well, the racing, you know, the racing chairs, yeah, they're, yeah, they're definitely pretty much make whatever we can, what's reasonable pretty much. I mean, you got to pay for it, but, right. but but you know, if we have a drawing, we do a drawing. You know, you do go back and forth sometimes five, ten, five times. You know, change this, change that. And then it's like, okay, make it. And it's like, okay, well, this is what you want, and we'll make it like that as long as we can make you know bend the things or whatever. Right. You know, to actually make it work. And you still. Have, what's that? 
long as it's possible. As long as it's possible. And you still have people who come, come and visit. I mean, I know I've done that at least a couple of times to come and visit and try to get yeah. something. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, we actually had a guy today, um, measure for a chair <coughs> triathlete, which perfect customer hand cycle and racing chair, by the way. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, you go into swimsuits too and, and cover the whole <laughs> yeah thing. i don't have that yet but yeah get the other all the stuff but uh yeah good people in but again with covid it's been like nobody i mean even still people aren't traveling that much you know the canadians always come to florida they always did forever <laughs> they couldn't even come now they can finally kind of come yeah so it's been tough with and people are nervous and whatever so, but it's getting better. Yeah, it's been this long distance kind of long distance making of wheelchairs because you know sometimes I mean I imagine some people are really good, but the idea of like, okay, this is what I want, and for you to figure out what they want, yeah, long distance a, can be a challenge. It's a guessing game, yeah, and then the uh, the higher the level athlete, the more critical it is because <laughs> that much. <laughs> Just that much smaller makes it a big difference <laughs> how did you end up working for the bikes how did you end up working more with with carbon like what how did that evolution work um well before i left uh top end i uh was kind of well franz needlesbach you know who he is mm -hmm. franz basically was carbon bike your the whole he had the deal or whatever through the suppliers pretty much it and but um so anyway it came to me we made an arrangement and uh so then i got i was doing that um after i well 2015 but we were talking about it in like 2012 and uh so anyway i got carbon bike um and uh yeah, just went that way. And they're really great suppliers. I mean, they, I have, they're unbelievable what they can do. Um, you know, they're customizing. It's like in between business, you can do one offs for a zillion dollars, or you can do a lot of different things. And that's kind of what we do. We don't have one stuck bike. This is all you get. You don't have the one that you can't reach. We have one that's, it's, they're good. The bikes are super actually. Oh, yeah. World championships win 65% of the medals. Can't complain about that. You know, and that's pretty much the way it's been even in Rio. That was when I first got, I was in 2015, Rio 2016. Yeah. We were like 60% of the medals. You know, the bikes are good, you know, there's, and there's some other good bikes too, but we just have a good range and uh, keep, We've made a lot of different changes all the time. And so what does that mean? You said that they they it's not it's not individualized, it's not sort of molding, molding you, it's not taking an individual and molding a particular bike around you necessarily. It's still sort of, you know, your 12 inch wide bike, your 13 inch wide, you know, 14 inch that yeah, kind of we, thing. Yeah, we do have a couple different sizes um, because you gotta make molds for them. You know, and so we do that, but then the adjustability with the fork and other parts of the bike and what we can also manipulate other 
things, you know, how wide they want the axle, if they want it narrower, they want to do this or that. And there are a few different sizes, but it's quite adjustable, but it, it's, uh, it, it works really well. <laughs> That's, you know, cause you, you can get, I mean, you can get bikes, there's, there's hand cycles made in Europe, a couple of them. I mean, it's built for you. It's like $25,000, you know, without wheels or anything. And then if it doesn't fit, what do you do? You know, you can't even sell it kind of a little bit. So, yeah, it would be nice to have that capability, but it's it's a little bit by their market. It's, I don't know if it's, on, if it's realistic at the moment. So. Yeah. No, that's for sure. And that, but that's one of the problem. I mean, is that a problem with, with some of the hand cycles now? I mean, it, it, I mean, you're so successful in terms of, in terms of the results, but then they are pretty expensive, right? I mean, 10 to $20,000. And I sort of look at it and you know, mm -hmm. if I put one of those in my car, uh, it's, it's more than doubled the value of my car. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, but just like able-bodied, you know, able-bodied cyclists, they spend a fortune on their stuff too, if you're good. So we, we all have the right to get really, I mean, I have a few bikes that are, not, that are expensive, you know, and they only have two wheels, you know, <laughs> and the frame is a lot less. If you look at a hand cycle, you know, one of our hand cycles, and you look at my bicycle downstairs, it's like, it's way less work to build a bicycle. It's all in in two dimension versus yeah. And plus they really build plus they'll make a thousand of the same model because they have you know a lot of customers. You know, and that's part of it, right? I mean, raise the, the whole seat, bicycle raise the seat. You know, let's raise the seat, move your handlebars. You know, everybody can ride the same bicycle pretty much if you had to. <laughs> Right, exactly. And you see well, that everybody like people, else. almost all of them could ride one the same bike around the block. And they would live. <laughs> yeah, and you even see that like the final stage of the tour, right? Where you'll get like the tallest guy in the Tour de France with switching bikes with the shortest yeah. guy. Exactly. Yeah. So, kind of fun. You, you know? can't do that in a hand cycle. You, you really can't and, and you most assuredly can't do that in a racing chair. Exactly. Yeah, both. Yeah, I mean the hand cycle probably is a little bit easier. There's a little bit more range of, of fitting where. Yeah, uh, yeah, the hand cycle you sit on top of more. The racing chair you sit inside it. Right inside of that, and yeah, so. Yeah, that's bigger. yeah, yeah. The hand cycle for sure. More people can ride a hand cycle. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, so. So anyway, so with that is, uh, I mean, it's it's just, it's exciting. I mean, it was a long time for me to actually get into a hand cycle. I mean, I raced wheelchairs for a long time and occasionally I had a hand cycle, but I also, uh, I also, I often, you know, loaned my hand cycle out to somebody so that I could get somebody to train with me when mm -hmm. I was in my racing chair. And usually it all, it matched up where, you know, mm -hmm. they were, they they were faster as a result of the as a result of the hand cycle, but not so fast that I couldn't stay with them. So so it worked out okay. But yeah. looking at some of this stuff, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be exciting though. I mean, it's because you, I mean, one for you, you said you've got a couple of expensive bikes, but you also ride a hand cycle like 
like legitimately ride yeah, a hand cycle. Yeah, well, I, I'm not right now because I had back surgery last year, but uh, but I'm riding. I haven't. I think I could. Now. My back is fine, but I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah, there was. Well, that's why I, I like doing it and uh, learned a lot. You know, doing that and then, uh, yeah, I was in Europe at some hand cycle race. I don't know which one because I was going for work and then there was they were allowing able-bodied guys to race and this one guy that was a dealer of ours in Holland he raced and he was he came to Florida he yeah I know him quite well he was racing and I'm at the race watching and I'm like I can do that I'm like because I was bike race I was in pretty good shape I rode always rode my bike I'm like, I can do that I can make my own and so then I went and raced and I got, I was pretty good for a while and it was fun though. I, I learned a lot and uh, yeah, the sport changed a lot since then too. Cause that was, they were all mixed too. I was riding a kneeling hand cycle and then you have the recumbents. We were all mixed back then. And which was kind of a cool race actually. Um, a lot of people like that, um, but now it's all split up. So yeah, the, but it was fun though. Yeah, where the lower level injuries, and so you would you would qualify as a lower level injury, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I had no advantage over double amputees. <laughs> you know, I'm just carrying weight. Didn't I was carrying like, a lot of legs? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was like I was just like, yeah, it was on flat ground. Okay, uphill, no good. <laughs> but uh, yeah. What was that transition like? Because I mean, you said you were fit from riding your bike which, you know, you've got a good engine, cardiovascular engine, but you hadn't been using your arms for that specific kind of endurance, yeah. sort of the upper body endurance, plus you're carrying around, you know, the more fit you are cycling, the more weight you're carrying around in yeah. cycling. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny, yes. I think the biggest deal was uh, my legs, dealing with being in that position, in that kneeling position. And like, even if I didn't ride for a couple, once I was going really good and then I didn't ride for a month or two or something for some reason, um, it would be like, oh, my leg, and I would to get out of the bike. I, I mean, and then actually I remember I had one bike kneeling, I made it, I had foot rests and I could kneel. So when my legs were bad, I still could put my feet on the foot rest. I could stretch them out. So really so you could old, put them in front of you. Yeah, I could switch. <laughs> I had, and then finally I cut those off because they because I was not doing it anymore. <laughs> so I was just all kneeling. Yeah, that I remember that was pretty fun actually. So when you were kneeling, your legs were actually like going to sleep if you weren't doing it all that yeah, often. I didn't, my legs never went to sleep, but it was just a stretch. It was like you needed. It's just not easy to do that for two hours, like kneeling when you can feel it. It was not fun. And it is, but it's also not quite as bad as being in a racing chair, which. No, I could never, I never did that really. I did that a tiny bit. I couldn't, my legs were too big. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, I tell people, some people, they're too big to wheelchair race. You know, it's like, you know, I don't tell them necessarily, but it's not going to work. <laughs> It's like, unfortunately, you're going to enjoy hand cycling way more than you'll enjoy. Yeah, I'm at it. I like, I like wheelchair racing. I hope it thrives. It's fun. It's good. Uh, I mean, you've seen so much and so many, so much progression in 
hand cycling as well, right? I mean, in, in not in hand cycling, but in wheelchair racing where, I mean, just the times that they're doing now. I mean, you look at Daniel who did a virtual virtual marathon last year of 113, like 113. That's yeah. over 20 miles an hour in a racing tour, one year. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how it's going. Um, yeah, the training is way higher. That's, you know, the training levels um coaching good equipment yeah make sure your wheels are straight that always helps <coughs> and uh you know that it's kind of like that and it's the same in all sports i mean everybody ha if you don't have a coach if you're not being you're not paying a coach kind of thing or at a place you, you i don't think you're competitive probably much anymore but, you know <laughs> it's like because they, they it's quite scientific you know you, you know i remember going to nationals in pennsylvania a long time ago it was party central <laughs> it was a national wheelchair games it's like party on <laughs> that's not happening anymore <laughs> well, it was it was it was social as much as anything and i don't yeah, think i went to those in pennsylvania so that preceded me it was edinburgh yeah it was a great place, actually. George did the four-minute mile there with Knob against Knob, Marty Ball, and Gary Kerr. And, and uh, Candace Cable did it just for the woman, just to see what she would get, because we were trying to break the four-minute mile. And did they actually break it at that event? George did 359. <laughs> he set it up. We set it up. He, he set it up. It was the year we got married, right? It was Mary's here. It was, we got married. We were on our way to our marriage, our wedding in New York. <laughs> oh, you weren't there, but I was. And uh, it's true. It's I'm assuming you're talking about nationals, not the wedding. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He was at the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. She was at the wedding. Yeah. Were you there? I don't remember. <laughs> That yeah. is funny. So did George set it up like the way that Roger Bannister kind of set it up where like, you know, you take the first lap, you take the second lap, you take the third lap. No, and no, no. It was, it was individual lap. time trial. Oh, it was just a time trial. It was individual. Yeah, he set it up. He was like, I can do the, four. he was the first one to do the five minute mile. And then he's like, I can do the four minute mile. And we've been doing testing down in Florida. He, I'd go to the track and he'd be doing laps. I'm telling you, not smooth, you know, whatever. And uh, yeah, and then he, he knew all the, you know, he was kind of, I think it was after he was on the Wheaties box. So he was like, kind of, oh yeah, I'm doing, it's going good here. And uh, and I think that, and he won Boston right before that. So yeah, so again, we do the four minute mile. Can we get the timers? Like, yeah, and we waited till like eight o'clock at night. He was like dead calm. <laughs> And this was on the track, four minute mile on the track. Yeah, it was four wheelers. Everybody's in four wheelers and uh, with steering. And uh, yeah, so I think only four of them thought they could do it. You know, so where did the other guys end up? Because those other guys are all, they were all really good racers. Jim too. was, Jim was a f like 404 maybe. And then Gary and Marty. And then I think that was it. And then Candace did like five minutes or something. Yeah. She did the only woman that did it. It was just like a setup thing. It was, but it was accurate. It was funny. But it was what? It was accurate though. They had, they had the timing that you know, was where they had nationals. They just 
had the equipment there. So, okay, we'll do that. So yeah, it was kind of fun. Well, those are the big, those are, those, those really are the big, the big monumental steps in the sport, breaking the five oh, minute mile, breaking the four oh, yeah. minute mile. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're doing, when's going to be, you know, what are they, 12 second, hundred meters or 13? How fast are those? The, I know the 54s in yeah. hundred. Yeah. So fast in the chairs now. It's crazy. I don't know, 14 seconds or something. It's like I think it's in the 13s. Uh, yeah, it yeah, is. Leo, yeah, it's, yeah. And 200 is faster than runners, I think. 400. 400, I think, is right there because it's like 43. Really close. 43, 42. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, you know, kind of figuring it out with the runners. It's like, okay, so where do you, where do you catch the runners? And it's like, oh, it's, it's somewhere in between 400 and 800 meters. It's like, no, no. No, it's really right after you cross the finish line of the 400 because none of those guys who are running the 400 are going to continue at that speed afterwards. And there aren't any 800 meter guys who are going, you know, 40, 43, 42 or whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, getting faster and faster. That's for sure. Did you expect to see that kind of stuff? Like, did you expect to see 13 second? 100 meters, uh, 130, you know, like sub 130, uh, what do you call it, 800 meters? Yeah, I never really thought about it actually too much, but I think, well, I think the one thing is now it's uh, the people that are winning the 100 and 200, that's all they do. It's like, it's kind of specialized, like able-bodied, where before, people would go to nationals and win everything, you know, if they were good, you know, they would run the table. And it was like, now that, now the guys that are sprinters, you know, hundred meter, 200 people, they don't do the 800. And maybe, maybe, maybe they'll do the 400, you know? So I think it's more specialized. So I can see how it get faster because you can't do both. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause like, like Roman Chuck is going to do gonna try everything. To well, he, I mean, he, it's possible, but it's just not, you know, there's not many people that can do that, you know, that's so he could, he could do it, but it's, it's not, there's not a lot of people that good, I think. Some of those guys like, uh, uh, the guy from Finland, uh, Patataki, Patataki, is that his name? Yeah. He, uh, but he never ran long ever. No, no. I mean, like for him, it really. 200 gets to be a long race like he gets out of the hole like a madman but he also is sitting almost straight up and down yeah he's like standing sort of it really is and so so you look at that it's going to be interesting to see like a roman check to see what he can do because it's reminiscent of those guys like like a claude isserad or or those kinds of guys who could who what in in Barcelona, right? I mean, I think he won the hundred, won the marathon, you know, won a bunch of stuff in between. Super when he was on, yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, fifteen hundred at the at the Olympic exhibition. That was his thing. He won that twice, and and the print and Mustafa won it once. (laughs) Right, exactly. Eighty-eight or whatever it was. I remember being. We were at a condo somewhere watching him. I think it was when Ben Johnson got busted for doping. Um, it was, and Mustafa I think was behind Craig. Craig 
Craig, I think he was. No, yeah, Craig, so that was 88, right? It was Craig. Yeah, Craig and, pulled him along mindlessly, and Mustafa was like, eh. in a four-wheeler, like, chair was terrible. He's like, worst race ever. <laughs> Some pretty amazing athletes, though, to watch that. Oh, no, those two, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, those guys. They're funny. To see what yeah, they do. Now, you also, you built chairs for, like, for teams. I remember when I was starting and talking to some of the guys who preceded me at some point, we were talking about how, you know, one of the benefits of leaving the U.S. was that you knew that you had better equipment, than, than some of the other guys, you know, that go, even, even the Europeans where they had some heavier stuff and things like that mm -hmm. in sort of those, those 88 and 92 kinds of years. But then, you know, some of you guys started, started building, building for full teams, you know, outfitting teams. Yeah. What was, what was that like when that, when that first started happening, when a team called you up and said, Hey, we want X amount of wheelchairs um yeah that was it was a long time ago when we first built a pile of chairs for somebody and that was in japan when we went to aida that was before invicare that was like 92 92 mary said 92 she was there <laughs> no we went there and i brought a chair i think i went to sempak that year too earlier and I brought a chair. I think I went with George, but he was sick. And um, then I went to Japan to Aida, but we had sold the chair to the best guy in Japan, allegedly. And uh, so then we went. So, yeah. So then we went to the race, and I brought a chair, and everybody wanted a chair. And so we had a line outside. Did you ever do, you never did Oida? Never did Oida. It always like conflicted with skiing. Yeah, went there a few times. It uh, yeah, we had a line out the door of the hotel. Like I don't know, I measured forty people in like four hours or something stupid. And, and they were, I'm not kidding. They were just like in line. And Mary was there, and it was like it was crazy. It was something, yeah, I don't know if it was 40. It was a lot. <laughs> and then, yeah, I did a, and then China, I did some big jobs. Like fo at least 40 measured in a week, you know, flying all over the place. They, they're, they're all still in top end chairs there in China. Right, all the Chinese are, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. What does that do to you, like your, your production schedule when you suddenly get like 40? Because you didn't expect that, did you? No, well, we were selling a lot of racing chairs back then, though. Much more, I think, than are getting made now, um, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, just and they kind of knew um, it was going to take a while. They ordered early, and uh, yeah, yeah. They, I think the and then they even like bought double chairs for the best guys, like backup chairs for all of them. It was like crazy. We had a huge order. Is this Japan or is this China that you're talking about? That was China. About? That was China. Japan in the beginning, that was a long time ago. No, before Beijing in 2008, we had a huge order from China. Yeah. Is it strange that they don't build their own chairs? Doesn't it kind of seem like, does that seem strange to you that China wouldn't say, 
okay, we'll figure out what the technology is and we'll build our own chairs. Um, yeah, it, it is kind of strange, but I don't know they're just not into it unless you can make a million of them. Because <laughs> they, they made some basketball, I was there measuring for basketball chairs and they had basketball chairs that are made in China and they looked like a basketball chair, you know, like most of them look like kind of similar now in a way, but they, uh, they were like made out of mush aluminum. You know, they were like soft aluminum. It wasn't really? good. Yeah. And, and, you know, they were, they were making them, but they never really, it was more like, I don't know. It seemed like more of a copy mentality. You didn't know what they were making a little bit, you know, works for a few people. But that's kind of interesting that you would think that on the high because they put like before Beijing, they put in a ton of money to to Paralympic sport. I mean, just creating all those oh, training centers. No, no, they did for sure. Yeah. I mean, they, and, and also just with like, I mean, they had they had no, I mean, they had no athletes. Like my last games was was 2004 in Athens, and I think they had like 40 or 60 athletes and all of a sudden then they come back with like 200 yeah. 300 they definitely put the money into it that's for sure yeah i went to several training centers in china and i mean they were in some of them at with the able-bodied and they had so many people though um they had chairs that i'm a bunch of chairs i made that were older and they would have like i don't know 30 guys there maybe in, and a lot of them similar disabilities, but they, uh, they would swap chairs. One guys would train for like an hour. The other guys would just hop in the chairs. So that's what you got. And then the best guys got the best chairs. And if you weren't good, you're out of here. <laughs> I'm not it's kidding. It's a pretty heartless uh, situation. Yeah, yeah well, it was. It was like, they were, you, if you were good, you were there. You know, you won a medal you won a gold medal you were set set for life which is because i can't imagine yeah i can't imagine sharing a racing chair with anyone yeah well you never you never had to i i didn't have to i can't imagine i mean i guess you yeah. do well, what if you, you had to maybe you would have which might be the reason that they have a lot of similar injuries <laughs> as well where they have sort of you know, a fair number of single leg amputees. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess if it's similar, then it's like, okay, well, this works. And so maybe the number of chairs is going to determine the kind of the kind of disabilities that they can serve. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are pretty good at that one. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see where do you see this stuff going? Do you ever do are you are you kind of a pro prognosticator? Or are you thinking, okay? Where are we going? Because it's probably, you know, with racing chairs, you know, a racing chair is going to continue to grow or is there such a big gulf between the people who are really fast and the people who are not quite that fast? And, and, and but what about like hand cycling? I mean, hand cycling is a little bit easier to get into and get relatively good at and, and to be mm -hmm. relatively comfortable doing it recreationally where do you where do you sort of see the industry going that's a tough one i uh 
I mean, it's, it seems like there's a pretty good growth spurt with the kids. Um, junior national, the nationals I saw looked pretty good. We, we've sold, you know, we, I don't sell a ton of chairs right now, but we're selling some to kids. Um, we have some groups and the kids are good and they, they're into it, um, which I think is because it's involved in school programs too, but so this is right. racing wheelchairs that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the hand cycles, the hand cycle seems like it's more of an old person sport still. There's, I mean, there hasn't been, there, it's starting to happen, but there hasn't been any really great guys under 30 at all. Except it depends. There's a couple exceptions, but not many. But typically it's the older guy. It's an older person sport right now. Um, but the, the one thing with the racing chairs, racing chairs are connected to marathons <laughs> and that's where the money's at, <laughs> you know, where hand cycles are connected to UCI and there's no money. I mean, I go to the world championships every time or wherever and, and uh, they have no prize money at all not even a hundred bucks. And it's like, you have to either be on a national team or you have to pay your own way. Or, you know, if your team doesn't have funding, cause a lot of them don't, you know, the big teams have money, but they get no money. There's not, I don't get that. I was like, why can't you just give these? Yeah, they get a fake medal, give them some money. Give them a hundred dollars. It's like for dinner after. It's crazy, but that's the thing with the hand uh, hand cycles. It has that uh, you have to be can really connected to have a team. I think to do it long term, you got to be really good. And then the wheelchairs seems more. Uh, I th I don't know. I think the wheelchairs are going to make it, but it, if they overprice the product, it will that won't help. Well, I mean that's going to be the challenge because I mean we we benefited like my generation benefited from those guys who preceded us where even like mm -hmm. local races mm -hmm. would have prize money where it's just a local, local 5k, a local five mile or, you know, a 10k, whatever it is, uh, it might be 500, 400, 300, 200, 100 kind of thing paying out. Yeah. You know, hey, that's great. And, and even the bigger races, like you go to like a peach tree, which is far more, you know, which yeah. costs a little bit more money. Yeah. which to get there in, in Atlanta has a much deeper field, but you know, usually you could kind of at least break even, yeah. Yeah. which is helpful to stay in the sport. Right. Yeah. Well, then well, the, the wheelchair racing does that, you know, with the big races, the marathons and the, you know, so it kind of brings the kingpins in. So the other people want to be there too, which is cool. And they get, you know, they get motivated, get better. I mean, you don't want to go to, you know, You'd rather make no money at a big race than make no money at a race where nobody's at. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's like we were together at the start line or whatever. <laughs> it, it, it was for a moment, but we were. Yeah, I was we, ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make sure you you place your photographer strategically. Yeah. Yeah. Get get out there. No, don't go too far. Like this, stay within a yeah. hundred meters. <laughs> And I had no idea that there was no money in hand cycling, that there's no prize money and it's not really supported because 
There's no money in in the World Cups and the the races that really matter <laughs> to get to the Paralympics. There's no money in it. The um, the the money comes from the national teams, either by bonus or some are on salary. It depends what country you're in, and so they you know they can just whatever they're on salary because that's how it is. And then well, like our country's not, and so if they win a medal, they get money, or if they they get some stipends, but it's not, you can't make a living. And then local races do have some money, small ones, like even the one we have in Florida, I've sponsored it this last year, top ended it before, you know, you have, at least you win, you win a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And it wasn't that much money. You know, it's like less than a hand side, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, people, like even... it. people love to get 50 bucks, you know? I get it. <laughs> it's it's easy enough to get a flat tire on a hundred dollar tire too, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but it's yeah. The wheelchair races have big money. You know? it's, that is interesting. I hadn't. I'd always. I mean, it, it's easy enough to kind of look at, and there's more sort of popularity mm-hmm. with the hand cycles because it's sort of you know it's it's a smaller barrier to entry in some ways. You get right. in, you pedal, you know what you're doing. Whereas wheelchair mm-hmm. racing. First, you have to be able to get into it. Mm-hmm. Then you have to figure out how to position yourself in it. And mm-hmm. then there's the technique of actually trying to do it well. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even just the steering. I remember my first first racing chair, I got into it in the crown of the road. I'm like, uh, yeah. well, I, I keep ending up in the dirt here. Like, what's going on? Zigzagging around. Yeah. Which is which is a challenge, but I had not realized. So So that'll be interesting to see where where things go and yeah because i'm with you i think that wheelchair racing is such an incredibly beautiful sport and when it's done well you know done by the people who really know and looking at like you know looking at the 800 looking at the 1500 at the 5000 of you know particularly like the t54 men and women like looking at it going that's a that's a real race where you've got yeah those those races should never be touched that's that's what I think as well, and I don't know that that's all what everybody else thinks. So yeah. we'll see no, what that, happens. Yeah, if, I don't know. That's what a can of worms that one is. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how they overrepresented. They said or something. You know, the wheelchair racing is is a reason. It's good. It's good and it's entertaining. And I think that that's... Well, it is. It's entertaining. And it's it's the... Uh, I've said this to many people. And no offense to other sports. But you don't get on the front page of the Boston Globe playing others. You know what I mean? It, it's, a, it's a role model for the sport, for the industry. You know what I mean? Like for disabled sports, whatever you want to call it. It's the kingpin sport. Basketball is great. Tennis is great. But people can relate to this. There's crashes. There's high speed. There's a lot of, and it's, it's a job. I mean, it's not easy. And uh, yeah, and no, and it's like, I think that's, yeah, I think foolish if they take some of those sports away. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. it makes no sense. I don't think so. You know, and you talk about getting on the cover of the Boston Globe. I mean, it really is, it is a big deal. And it, 
it's integrated, but I think people understand just, just how difficult it is to, I mean, yeah, to yeah. run a marathon. Yeah, well, that's so they can relate to it a bit. It's like, man, you know, the arms, well, they, you know, you get to coast downhill, but still. <laughs> still, you got to climb those hills. Yeah, like, yeah. first part of Boston I mean, isn't I so bad. I have boxes of newspapers that I, I would always grab newspapers from different places. And it's like, there's so many wheelchair events that are on the front page of the newspapers from around the world. You know, any event, but I go to a hand cycle race. It's not on there, you know, basketball, it's not on there. It's like the wheelchair racing kind of, kind of, kind of has trumped it. That's, that's an interesting perspective that I hadn't really, I hadn't really considered and, and cycling, but it's not as, it's not as integrated in some ways, it seems like with the, you know, with like, with like the able-bodied cycling is that well, true? Yeah, well well that's yeah it's definitely uh it's totally not yeah they're not integrated yeah the, i mean wheelchair racing you're with the runners twenty five thousand runners forty thousand runners and if you go to a bike race we had the bike we piggyback on the bike race in florida here it's like 400 bikes able-bodied and 30 hand cycles where it's not and, that, and that's why there's no a little money, <laughs> you know. It's they're not integrated at all. Um, and then in, in UCI, I think in 24 or 23, they're going to have the paracycling is going to be with the able-bodied world championships. And in two years, I think that was the plan in Nottingham or in in the uk will it actually will be integrated but again no prize money just the metal <laughs> and you have to pay a lot of money to attend <laughs> there is that and and <laughs> honestly that's when i first started that was kind of the way that it that it yeah. was as well where it was like all right so you've made the world championship team it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars to go represent yeah. but we'll give you a jersey but uh you know it's going to cost you some money to make this yeah, happen exactly that is interesting well i mean it'll, it'll be and it's but like a marathon is a little bit different just in that it is it is that same course i mean it gets to be a separate race right i mean it's like the wheelchairs go off first and yeah. there are very few people who come in contact with any of the runners in a marathon so it is effectively like a separate race but at the same time it sort of feels like the same race where i don't know if cycling feels like the same race well the marathons you get the whole hoopla whether it's the convention center and the press conference you know the big races i mean it, it's you're like in the thick of it maybe not in the race but the day before you know in those big ones it's there's a lot i think that's part of it yeah hand cycling yeah i mean the paracycling it's on the UCI level and it's pretty much separate. You know, it's, you know, I've been to piles of hand cycle races and most of them are kind of their own separate thing with paracycling, um, you know, and, and, but, you know, a lot of them in Europe, they're very embraced. I mean, for sure, it's big in a lot of places, but not, 
Yeah, not too many of them because the marathons kick out the hand cycles pretty much. That's yeah, that's yeah, which I I am I am okay with that. It's you know, I am too. I mean, your hand a hand cycle is for a guy that can't ride a bike. A wheelchair, a racing wheelchair is for a guy that can't run anymore. <laughs> that's that's it. It's pretty and simple. Separate and it's like that's it. You know, and it should be sort of a commensurate kind of like, you know, if you're running a marathon, it's difficult to run a marathon. If you're in a wheelchair, in a racing wheelchair, it's difficult to do a marathon. Whereas, you know, I mean, like if I get into a hand cycle, you know, I haven't hand cycled all winter, get into a, get into it. Can I go do 26.2 miles? Yep. I can, I can do it. Not, not a big deal. <laughs> not a huge deal. You know, and that's. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can, yeah it, it's way easier. I mean, I can, I've ever in the hand cycle all year. Well, since my back, um, I can get in one and ride 15 miles an hour all day long <laughs> without doing anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not that hard. Which in a racing wheelchair to do 15 miles an hour all day long. That's you, a different story. Solid. <laughs> no, know, that's you're, your contender. <laughs> you're not, you're not that bad. So I assume this is the first games that you haven't gone to. In a while. Yeah. Yes, since '92. Yeah, I went to everyone since '92. Wow. Yeah. What's that like? Not going, and will you watch it on television? Yeah, I'll try to. I'll watch it for sure. So I have to look at the schedule a bit, see what I want to watch. Um, not like everybody, but uh, no, I want to watch it. And uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, I mean, with the COVID thing, I mean. Honestly, it doesn't sound so fun. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I mean, so I'm not like uh, missing, like, it's not like I, I mean, I went to Portugal a month ago, or six weeks ago through the World Championships, and it was really difficult. You know, I actually had credentials through the U.S. team, hand cycling, but it's still, it was really difficult. And I could have probably weaseled my way in with UCI or U.S. team, but it was like, I don't know. Just wasn't. But I think it'll be good on TV. And, uh, I think it will. What are you looking forward to? Are there any <coughs> races you're looking forward to? I want, well, I sure want to watch the track. Um, you know, the wheelchair racing on the track, and then the hand cycle races. I mean, it's they go to time trial um, and a road race and a relay. The relay is really a cool race. Actually, it's become a big one. Um, I don't know if you, know if you know how that works or and that's integrated right where it's like where you've got a categories you they, you have to have a certain amount of points you know so you have the h5s h4s three two one so pretty much it's a mix of h5s h4s and h2s but although you can use women depending on the teams and there's some really good higher level women that it's kind of a game like in in South Africa, the Germans won a medal with Andrea, the woman, which was kind of cool. I think that was the only time, but it's it's a pretty cool race, actually, because they they got to do like three laps each. Three people on the team, they have to do three laps each. So you have a handoff area. They don't hand off. They go through a zone and then the other one goes and it's it's quite tactical and the setup who goes first, who goes last, because big range and speed 
they're the fastest guys and then the slow because you have to have a mix so it's it's right. been it's, it's been usa and italy um but now italy you know unfortunately zanardi is not well and uh so they're probably they might have a chance at a medal maybe and then uh but yeah so u.s but u.s doesn't have oz sanchez and he was real good in that so <laughs> it'd be uh it'd be interesting to see yeah but that's a good one spanish are real good u.s and spanish i think will be one too but that's a good one yeah the race and they're long like the men's race is is 50 miles the road races yeah uh, the 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 h4s and h5s they race separate but okay it's pretty long on a hilly course that's, that's i think that's the longest ever i think that's the longest ever they've been racing around 40 lately at the world championships and this one's yeah 50. what do you expect how do you like what kind of time would you say they would run on a 50 mile course and you said it's a hilly course too uh the recliners h4s the guys that are on the lay down bike like you would ride right they'll average 24 miles an hour probably maybe more yeah well the tt they'll average unless the course is way harder than it looks but it's an up and downer yeah they'll i mean the tt they'll average 26 27 alone for whatever 18 miles i guess yeah and the mealers are a bit slower and they're more tactical um the other ones the reclining bike is more like a time trial just they just go all out and there's you can't accelerate where the kneelers are more like a bike and so they do attacks you know they go from 15 to 35 you know crazy and and then there's some team there's the dutch team has two guys that are both really good so there'd be some team tactics um with them and see who else makes friends It'll make it interesting to watch. That's for sure. No, that, that, that's the best hand cycle race to watch. It's really a good one. Yeah, is that road Abe race? White. Yeah, it's it's explosive. Yeah, like able body, like Ernst. He, you know, twelve hundred watts. On we do have a power meter, but it's big power, arm power, and they can just, you know, it's like explosive. Well, that's yeah. pretty decent power for somebody who's using their legs. Yeah, well, now they go like, you know, in the sprint, if it's good, 35, 40 in the sprint, depending on the conditions, it's not unreal. <laughs> well, people. Well, Yeti Platt has the hour record on the track in the recliner, and he averaged for an hour 27.5 or 27.9 miles an hour for an hour. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So about that. That's that's moving. That's and and that's on a track too. So yeah, the corner, you gotta deal with the corner, you know, on a on a a velodrome. Right. So it's a banked corner, but well Heinz did twenty-five a couple years ago. 
Heinz Fry. Which he's also 60 something, right? So Yeah, he's racing. He's going. <laughs> he is he, just he has a chance actually. On in the time trial, he actually has he'll finish in the top seven, I would say. He has a chance for a medal. He's good. He's one of those guys, his name seems to come up more in these conversations, Heinz Fry, than anybody else. I mean, just has the greatest respect from everybody who ever raced the wheelchair and or or now a hand cycle as well. And just he just goes, which is awesome. So Yeah. Well he's in great shape. He never got injured. Always took care of himself. That's a big deal. That's that that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And then never getting out of shape is a big one that Yeah. They probably go together, getting injured or and go, getting out of shape or getting a sore or something stupid. Yeah. Or even like you talked about George, where it's like you're racing and then then you have to run a business or you know yeah. an actual job, which sometimes affects your ability to be in shape. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, awesome. It's interesting. Uh, one thing about Heinz, so we're over time. Um, we talk about the hand cycles and the wheelchairs. I find it fascinating a little bit that the really good hand cycle race, wheelchair racers, really good ones, they go to hand cycling, they're instantly dominant. And it's true. Franz, Heinz, Ernst, there's others. They're, it's like, it's, it's harder. You know, the wheelchair the, racing is harder yeah, than hand cycling. You can't shift the gear. It's like, you got to go. <laughs> right. And those guys who are that successful in wheelchair racing then can go in. And part of it you're talking about as well is at the end of their career, as opposed to in the middle of their career. Yeah. Well, they're already, they're smart. They're in good shape. <laughs> it's smart as they know how to train. <laughs> and uh, Anyway. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Chris, right. thanks. Thanks a ton for joining us. Thanks for all you've done for the industry, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in out there. As usual, the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends to tune in to check it out. Please follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all those places, and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks a ton. Take care.